Interest rates are what your bank pays you for keeping money in an account. Also, your home loan, car loan, how much you will pay to the bank depends on interest rates. One of the things which interest rates are going to influence is your investments. And that's what we are going to talk about in this episode. I'm Tanya Roy and you're listening to The Fourth Estate. Currently, the average interest rate on 5-year tax-saving fixed deposits in most leading banks is in the range of 5.3% to 6.75%, which is lower than the rate of inflation. So what other investment options does a salaried individual have in such a low interest rate environment? With me today is Mr. Rajesh Minocha, founder of Financial Radiance, a personal finance consultancy. Mr. Minocha has been working in the finance and technology industry for over 25 years. He has worked with multinational companies such as ICICI, HCL Technologies and Franklin Templeton. Welcome to the show, sir. A salaried individual who is not so aware of investment products other than bank deposits would depend on recurring deposits, savings deposits and fixed deposits for some returns. Also, Managing separate investment products along with a job may prove to be a daunting task. So what investment options should they opt for, especially in a low interest rate environment? So so in terms of options, now what really happens is that at times when people are investing, they really go very aggressive and they don't understand their own risk profile or they depend a lot on what they hear from their friends or colleagues or from the press and they just go ahead and do the investment without doing the research. So one of the trends which we have seen, especially now during the phase what we are going through at this point of time, the COVID-19, is that a record number of accounts have been opened for trading. And uh, this is a phenomenon not just in India, but it's happening all over the world. So, so people are actually trading a lot without really understanding what they are investing into. So they are looking for some quick returns, which can be extremely dangerous, actually, if someone was to do that. But because generally it is the, the people who are the individual investors, they get impacted the most, actually, whenever the trading is happening because they don't get the information on time. And by the time once they get to know about a situation, uh, their trades by the the big people are already done. So it's very important for people to understand what they're doing. One way is to have a portfolio of stocks of say large companies. And you may want to have one large company from each of the sectors there and basically then hold it for long. Trading is not for retail investors. So so once you have identified those and you're holding it for long and you're also getting your dividends also back into the investment, you're not utilizing the dividends, you're getting the bonuses also, rights issues it also, then you would see that this will actually generate a lot of wealth if you want to go direct on your own in terms of buying stocks. Now, there is another option like having the option of getting somebody experienced in this managing the portfolio for you. That is the job of mutual funds. Now, there is an expense ratio there and based on that expense ratio, you are charged. So expense ratio basically takes care of the fund management charges or it could be related to the research, what they do or the distribution, what they do. And then you have outsourced that activity 
to decide in terms of buying stock and selling stock. Now, someone is working, the person may not have that time to actively look at the stocks and do the investments there. So that if you let it to the professionals, that's the fund managers to, to do it, then that can really be very useful in the long run. But uh, we need to remember that we invest based on our goals, our risk profile and the time horizon. The beauty of mutual funds is it's got different products associated with each one of them, whether you're going for a debt fund or you're going for an equity fund. Within equity also, you could choose a large cap, mid cap, small cap. So there are different types of funds available. So once we have identified our own risk profile, then doing and investing that way is the best way wherein you have outsourced the stock selection to a professional. So I would say that to be a an extremely good strategy but if someone does want to do the stock buying on their own then uh, i would suggest creating a portfolio of only the blue chips there and not to be very greedy there in terms of getting the most returns because investment is not gambling so we just need to be aware of that and then based on our goals we do the investments the government has launched floating rate savings bonds in an environment where we are uncertain about where interest rates are headed would investing in these bonds be safer than fixed deposits? Okay, so for, first of all, let me tell you about the floating rate bonds. What really happens there? Now, now, when the interest rates decline, that's the time when the yield goes up for you. And it works inversely. So when the interest rates are going up, the yields for you are going to decrease because that then that there are better options available which can give higher interest rates that then why would somebody be interested in buying your paper so, so that that way then the yield for your paper goes down when the interest rates are going up it's always in the inverse proportion there now we've already seen that rbi has been decreasing interest rates as an example when i started working more than 25 years back that time the interest rates were as high as 14 to 15 percent now you look at what are the interest rates right now they have come down extremely low which is also impacting retired people a lot because they are dependent on that interest income so so there is a lot of impact there but now the question is how much will it go down further now, there are discussions about some of the developed markets where it, it has come down to 0% and would it really go to that range in India? I don't think so. It's, it can go there because interest rates are also linked to inflation. Now, in most of these developed countries, the inflation is also down. Unless our inflation rate comes down to near zero, the interest rates are not going to fall that much. Having said that, uh, would it really fall in future? Yes, there is a possibility of a fall, but perhaps once or twice because the economy does need a push right now, looking at the situation we are into it. But once the economy starts picking up, then the government will not want to provide the additional benefits and the concessions. And that's when the interest rates will again start going up. I think we need to be very careful in terms of investing into floating rate bonds, because if there is a call of the issuer, if that goes wrong, then it can impact negatively. On the other hand, what is also important is to look at the returns after taxes and there can be some lock-ins as well or there can be a penalty if withdrawn earlier so those are the options which we have to look at it 
And if we are investing money for long term, and for long term, I really mean anything above five years. That's the kind of money which we should be investing in equity. Because equity alone has the potential to beat the inflation in the long run. Considering gold's recent rally, how safe is it to invest in the yellow metal in the form of gold funds, ETFs, sovereign bonds or even physical gold? Gold is needed as part of our asset allocation. So, so typically when we are preparing our own asset allocation there, there has to be diversification across asset classes. I mean, say if you're investing into equity and within that, if you're diversified, it is not enough. It needs to be diversified across the broad categories like equity, debt, real estate, gold and cash. So money has to be divided across and gold is a perfect way of doing it. But gold is seen as a hedge against inflation. So while it is needed as part of asset allocation, you may get it say between 5 to 10% of your total assets into gold. It should not be more than that because gold is essentially a product which is underlying in dollars. When we look at the prices in India, this is also related to the exchange rate that we see the prices going up. And as the mining of gold keeps on increasing and once there is lesser gold available to mine, then the value would certainly go up. But at the same time, we have to see that gold is considered as a safety haven whenever there is a problem going on, like, for example, the kind of issues we are into right now, the pandemic there. So people are looking for safety and gold is the safest place to be because it is liquid. Once we see this uncertainty going away and situation st stabilizing, we will see the prices of gold eventually then declining and they will then e even out with say approximate returns of around 8% or perhaps around 10%. So, so basically just beating the inflation there. Now there are different products available uh, as you mentioned in the question itself. Jewelry is certainly not recommended unless it is needed for own consumption. Holding gold physically can also be a challenge. It can be a risk or you need a locker and then selling of course can also be a challenge that time. You can also get gold as a financial asset right now. So you need not have gold as a physical asset there. So there are different products available like there are gold ETFs, there are gold funds and then you've got sovereign gold bonds. Now sovereign gold bonds have got a lot of advantage there. One is it is issued by government and you are assured of the highest purity there of the gold. So that, that way then you don't have to be worried whether the, the, the gold is the right gold what you have purchased or not. So it is very important when you are selling it, you know that the purity is there because you've got it from the government. On top of it, government is also providing an interest rate there of 2.5% per annum. And if you buy the gold digitally, uh, th th there is also a discount available on that. And if you hold it for eight years, there is no capital gains on that as well. So I think it's a huge advantage sir. so minimum what you have to buy is one gram there so depending on the gold price uh, right now you will be able to get it and then after eight years when you are eventually selling it then depending on the gold price that time uh, you will get your redemption value and it will be completely tax free it does not have a lock-in lock though 
you know, so after five years, you can still surrender it back, but there is some indexation related debt taxation. Before five years, it can only be traded on the stock exchanges. And that time, depending on whether there's a demand on it, uh, you will be able to sell it. Otherwise, you may find the liquidity there very difficult. So, so I would say gold is certainly needed as a portfolio, but certainly we should not go overboard looking at what has happened to the gold prices over the last six months or eight months there. The pandemic has laid emphasis on the importance of emergency funds. What is the most appropriate investment product for an emergency fund? This is something which has become very relevant right now. But I would say it is not just now. This should be something which should be looked at all times. So what I would say, not just during this time, but always, we should have six months of expenses, including the EMIs, in emergency funds. Now, what are the investments which we can do in emergency funds? I would say your returns should not be the criteria. The criteria should be how safe is the money and how liquid is the money. Because if there is an emergency, you may need the money very fast. So there are different products available. Now, one, of course, you can let the money lie in your bank account itself. But in bank account, if it is there, the kind of interest rate you will get would hardly be around three and a half per percent. And that is also taxable. So not, not a good option because our inflation in India is much more than that. So you're losing money by keeping this money in the bank account. Then there are fixed deposits which are available. Certainly a better option than the bank deposits. But then the challenge there is if there is an emergency, you will need to break the FD. And once you are breaking the FD, then there will be a penalty of 1% mostly for the tenure for which you had the FD running. So that minus 1% is the money what you will get. And also that will also be subject to taxes. It is still a good option there because the next product which I will talk about liquid funds and ultra short bonds, they have one disadvantage. Before getting into that, the advantage of that, that is the returns there may be better than FDs, though they are also getting challenged now, but still they are able to beat FDs. And another advantage is there is no penalty. And with just one single day's notice, you can get back the money. The disadvantage is that what if your emergency is over the weekend? That's when you'll not get the credit into your bank account. I mentioned the money is available within one day, but if your emergency is over the holidays, then you'll not get the money. So I would say it needs to be the mix of these products, the liquid funds, the ultra short funds, and having some amount in FD. The returns are not important here. So it is important for that safety. And once this is an emergency fund, it should be used only for emergency purpose and should not be utilized just because we can see the money available there and, uh, you know, utilize it for luxuries. And one good thing investing in those funds is that if three years get exceeded, you get indexation benefit also. And then your taxation will be much, much lower, especially if you are in the higher tax bracket. What are the best options for an individual looking for lump sum investment? You can get lump sum by way of bonuses or by way of insurance premium, which had a maturity, etc. Then what do you do with that money? So, so I would say it all depends on your goals there. If you think you would need back this money in the near future, 
near future, which I mean is say within three years. If you need the money, then safety is important. Then you cannot put this money into equity at all. It is the return of the principle, which is more important rather than return on principle. So, so what we really do here is that that money gets invested into liquid funds and ultra short funds only. If you need the money in medium term, say between three years to five years duration, then there are those bonds which are available with the corporate bonds or the banking and, 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 and the PSU bonds or the short duration bonds. So there also the money can be invested lump sum. But if you have got requirement of say greater than five years and you know that you're not going to need this money right now these are for long-term goals like your own retirement or for education of children which is which is going to happen after many years then then you can put this money into equity but i would not suggest putting the money lump sum into an equity what if you put the lump sum money into equity today and tomorrow there is a major crisis and the markets fall now, your entire amount has been invested at a very high rate known as the net asset value there, which means you're getting less number of units. Now, in future, if the markets were to fall, first they have to recover to the original level at which you had purchased and only then you will start making returns, which means there can be huge losses there. So whenever there is lump sum money available and you want to put it for long term, what is a good way to do? is through a systematic transfer plan. What it means is, first of all, we put the entire money into liquid fund. From liquid fund, we do a weekly transfer into equity over six months, over one year, one and a half years, two years, depending on the, your amount of money which is there. So that way, we are averaging out our investment into equity. So this behaves like an SIP product which is also averaging out. So, so what we are doing is we are not trying to time the market. Every week the market will go through ups and downs. So when the market is up, you'll get less number of units. When the market is down, you'll get more number of units and eventually it will all average out. And that's a very good strategy of investing. Now the advantage of not letting the money remain in your bank account and do an SIP from there versus doing an STP from here is that your liquid fund, which you had, where you had initially per, uh, invested, that is also generating returns higher than the returns which the money would have generated if the money was just lying in the bank account. So here you're getting higher returns. Plus I would say another hidden advantage is that if the money is lying in your bank account, you might want to utilize that money for your wants rather than the needs there. And then, you may not have the money remaining with you for long term. You know, so if you have invested the money into liquid fund, it has gone out of your bank account. So now you know that this money is now going to get invested for your needs in future. In between, if you see that the markets have fallen, then you can even do a part switch. For example, say you've got three lakhs remaining in your liquid fund that time and the markets have really fallen. You may want to say do a part switch of 50,000 immediately rather than 5,000 or 8,000 weekly what you were doing it because the markets have fallen, you want to take advantage. Now, as we cannot predict the market, next week it may fall further. You do another switch that time of say 50,000 rupees that way. That way we are able to have a 
tactical move as well, uh, along with keeping it strategic in terms of investing it part by part every week until the time the liquid fund becomes zero and the entire money has moved into equity. That was an insightful discussion, sir. Thank you for talking to the Fourth Estate. Thanks very much. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Fourth Estate.